Hi, this is Tom Schultz, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hey, everybody, what's going on? This is Zach Wild from Black Level Society, and we're all doing a hang with John on Iron City Rocks. Hey, it's Tommy Thayer from Kiss, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks right now. Hey, this is Paul Stanley, and you are listening to Iron City Rocks. Welcome to episode 233 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, John, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing you the best hard rock, heavy metal, blues, and rock talk on the net. In episode 233, we are joined by the guitarist and vocalist of one of my personal favorite bands of all time, also newly inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and author Paul Stanley of KISS. Paul has just released a book called Face to Music, A Life Exposed. It's available now. Uh, in uh, hardback, ebook, and uh, spoken form, uh, read by Paul himself. Paul and I had the opportunity to speak earlier in the month of March, uh, just before the tour with Def Leppard and Kiss was announced. Uh, he was really uh, very gracious, sat down and talked about the book. Uh, the interview you're about to hear was actually featured uh, in written form uh, by myself in guitarworld.com. Uh, so if you're a person who likes to read, uh, stuff like that, you can check out guitarworld.com and find links to a lot of articles I've written over the years. Uh, but thought you'd enjoy hearing this one uh, in spoken form as well. So without further ado, Paul Stanley of Kiss. And I say welcome to the show. The first question I have for you is kind of a, a, something that's was crossed my mind. I mean, you've had bandmates now that have done... Actually, all of the original bandmates have done books now, and you know some of them quite a while ago. What made this the right time for you to do it? Um, I never saw my book. First of all, I never saw writing a book. I never envisioned writing a book. Okay. I think just by I think just by nature of what they are, autobiographies are fatally flawed most of the time mm-hmm. because. They tend to be grandiose in the perspective because one is writing about themselves. Um, I, I, I had no desire to do that. Honestly, I've looked at most autobiographies and, and thought, you know, uh, that they should be on on soft tissue paper on a roll, <laughs> and then they would serve a better purpose. Just to write about, just to write about um, real or, or or imagined victories or successes or um, achievements, isn't what I wanted to do. When I finally realized that I could write a book that could be inspirational to other people, um, that could show that everyone as obstacles, and even the people that we may look up to and aspire to be have been through their own trials and tribulations 
and succeed and can succeed uh, as I did. That was that was um, intriguing. The idea of writing a book that my children could read to understand what I went through mm-hmm. to get to where I am was really what made made me do a hundred eighty degree turn. Sure. I wanted not. To, I didn't want to write a book about Kiss. I wanted to write a book about my life. I wanted to write a book about somebody who faced a lot of adversity and obstacles and thought they knew how to how to resolve them and found out that I was wrong, you know, and and I was fortunate enough to to achieve the success that I thought was the answer and then I was also fortunate enough to to roll up my sleeves and figure out what it really took to find contentment and happiness. And so the book has a happy ending. Otherwise, I couldn't write it. Some people have said to me it's a great book. Well, if I was still, you know, um, stuck in the middle of it, I wouldn't have written it. Yeah, yeah, I have to agree. Reading it, I mean, I don't think a story of a 1983 Paul Stanley would have been quite so interesting because the book really, I mean, everyone's written the here's how many people I screwed or here's how I've been screwed uh, kind of books, but yours really takes you on on a journey. You know, you, you had a goal. You had some obstacles as a young man. And part of the thing I think that I found most interesting about the book was the discontent that it seemed like you still felt even after you were achieving success. You know, the the world perceives you as rich and famous in the world at your feet, and you still felt so isolated. You know, that was a very well, I, interesting... I think, I think that's the beauty that can be passed along to other people, is that how other people perceive you ultimately does not affect how you perceive yourself. Mm-hmm. No matter what you achieve and no matter what you hide from others, you never hide it from yourself. So true happiness and true contentment in life has to come internally. And that may be a cliche, but it certainly was never more glaring than in my life. Yeah. Once you realize that you're still unhappy, you either start medicating yourself or you start figuring out what's next. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's, you know, one of the things that we, you know, when you look at, you know, the span of this book, you know, you can see, you know, it may be no coincidence that, you know, the arrival of Evans started to bring along, you know, a, a change in your, you know, outlook on life, it, it seemed almost, you know, as you found some happiness coming back towards family and, you know, with your parents and, and, and with Aaron as well. Yeah, I uh, think, I, I think it's eye-opening in, in, if we choose to be great parents, it's because we move ourselves from the center of the universe mm-hmm. and give that spot to people we love around us. Right. Having children can be incredibly healing, and it can also make us better people because we're supposed to lead by example. Mm-hmm. And if we set a good example, then we lead better lives. So I found a lot of a lot of peace and a lot of joy in being a parent. Yeah, 
Yeah, that, that's very well said, and, and I think anybody who's walked in that in that path can can agree with you, and, and certainly relate whether you're no you're a fan of you know Kiss the band or or just as you know your story as a father almost, you know, which is is yeah, what I think I, makes I, it. Makes yeah, it I, I would think that somebody is going to do themselves a disservice or sell themselves short if they were not to read the book because they don't like the band. Yeah. It's not, you know, it's not a book about the band. It's a book about mm-hmm. a person, and it's a book about a person who, although on the surface may seem very unlike the reader, right. I'm very much the reader. Yeah, and that that's well said. I mean, there there are countless books on on the the career of your band. I mean, both again by people inside the band, people who are around the band. Um, you know, that would have been a bit cliche, probably. This one is certainly more about you as a human being, which you know makes it very unique in the world of rock autobiography. Certainly, um, one of the things that that you talk about, you know, obviously in the very beginning of the book, and then uh, more towards the later, was your role in the the Phantom of the Opera, which I was lucky enough to have an opportunity to witness firsthand. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? I mean, that was really throwing yourself a challenge. You know, obviously everyone knew you as the star child and the voice behind the band, but to get up there and, and step out of your element and also just the nature of the role of the character you played. Can you talk just a little bit about that? Sure. Um, I think you have to remember that I stepped outside of character to become, uh, to to be in a rock band. Sure. I was a a shy, insecure, unpopular kid. So, the, innately, when I saw the Beatles, and before that, when I would watch um, Eddie Cochran, mm-hmm. Elvis Presley, when I was a little little guy. Mm-hmm. But when I saw the Beatles, I said, I don't know why I said. But I had this epiphany watching them on TV, and I said, I can do that. Mm-hmm. Now, I didn't play guitar. I'd never written a song before in my life. But I think that we we so often lose sight of our potential because as kids, we believe we're capable of everything, and that gets beaten out of us by people who failed. Mm-hmm. So... The same thing happened with Phantom of the Opera. I saw Phantom of the Opera in London in 1988, and while I was watching it, I suddenly had that same thought. I I suddenly went, I can do that. Now, I'd never done musical theater. I had no idea what went into it. Ten years later, I found myself auditioning for the part and getting it. So... At that point, I got thrown into the deep end of the pool. Yeah, but you now know? what? Yeah, uh, yeah. Don't don't wish for something unless you're ready to get it. So, at that point, my my determination was to be great, not to not to denigrate something that I saw, but to do it justice. Mm-hmm. So, the the stakes were high, and interestingly, when I watched Phantom. In London, I never connected the dots and never saw how much of it was me. Yeah. You know, somebody hiding hiding behind a mask and incapable of really giving. Yeah. And I only 
learned and connected those dots as I was doing the show. And uh, it was eye-opening for me, but also very freeing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is anybody who's is familiar with the story and, and then takes a look at, you know, the first half of your book now. The parallels, I mean, obviously you weren't under a sewer or anything like that in the early parts of your career, but you can look at the parallels of the character uh, and, you know, and your character, so to speak. I mean, it was it was very, the parallels are certainly there, you know, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, one of the, thing, the things you mentioned um, in the book that I found actually very interesting was a remark you made about uh, your guitar playing and realizing your limitations, but then uh, you've obviously managed to turn, you know, in, in a world full of, you know, Hendrix and, and Page and stuff, you realized that your calling was actually songwriting. Um was that something that you did you strive to be like those guys or you just kind of realize, okay, this is where I'm at. I'm going to pursue songwriting as more of a vocation because I think that's where my skill set lies. Well, I always saw myself as a very solid guitar player, but we should never fool ourselves because what we lose is time. Mm-hmm. And time can't be bought and time can't be brought back. So if we can do a hard assessment of ourselves, we can better plot our course. I didn't feel I could be the the gunslinger guitar player mm-hmm. uh, that I love, but I also knew that I could be pretty much a, a pretty consummate rhythm player, which is an art in itself. Absolutely. Some people see rhythm guitar some people see rhythm guitar as what a lead player does before he's good enough to play lead. Yeah. Um, with and then there are other people who play lead guitar and are clueless about how to play rhythm because yeah. they learned to run before they could walk. So absolutely. As I as I as I played guitar, I found myself more drawn to the rhythmic elements of it, whether it was Pete Townsend or Keith Richards. Or Jimmy Page is a brilliant, you know, rhythm player. So um, I, I had no aspirations to go beyond that. My guitar playing worked as a vehicle and a foundation for my song. So mm. I I became a better a better guitar player as time went on, and I also became a better uh, songwriter. Yeah. Yeah, which in itself is a skill that you can't teach, you know. So it is, it's is really interesting to, to read that. Um, another another point in the book that, that I think I enjoyed as a fan of the band uh, was kind of how you you came back full circle with Bill Coyne, um, you know, and were very upfront about his impact on the band. He and Sean Delaney um, was was that closure something that really helped you? Is you know in your road to kind of where you are now. I mean, kind of reconciling that. It was, it was, it was incredible. It was, it was something so special to reconnect with Bill in a way where we could resolve old tensions, mm-hmm. but also revel in our lives now to see who we were. It was, uh, it was so fulfilling and perhaps Mm -hmm. in many ways 
that's what I was looking for with the band reunion, but that wasn't to be. But with Bill, I was blessed to become very close to him. And he was somebody who in the formative years of the band was pivotal. We never could have made it without him. Mm -hmm. He's somebody whose importance can't be... um, can't be overstated. Right. So, but but the the bittersweetness of of becoming good friends and having him come to art shows and coming to concerts, even when he was very sick, um, was was more than poignant. It was uh, it was a, a, an incredible addition to my life. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was it was nice, you know. Again, in, in the world of autobiographies, to hear somebody speak, you know, the importance of somebody else. You know, a lot of these books tend to be me, 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 as you you know you've alluded to as well. Um, it, it, that was nice, uh, you know, to get you know get a tip of the cap like that to Bill. Um, you know, God bless his impact. Well, Paul, I, that's all I have for you. I don't want to keep you off track. Paul, thank you, man. This is as a lifelong fan. It's been a pleasure and an honor. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. All right, take care. Thank you to Paul Stanley of Kiss for coming on the show. And again, congratulations on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction uh, and all the uh, great things going on with Kiss. Again, they're going to be touring with Def Leppard this summer. Uh, Hopefully they'll be in your neck of the woods. They'll be over most of the United States. Uh, In just a moment on the book itself, uh, as a fan of the band, as I mentioned, I've read several books on Kiss, including the other three autobiographies by the four original members of Kiss. And uh, as a fan of, of rock books and, and the host of heavymetalbookclub.com which you can check out as well uh, read a lot of these kind of books even from other bands uh, Paul's was actually pretty interesting uh, wasn't just blowing smoke uh, in that it isn't necessarily just about Paul uh, the musician Paul the singer of Kiss it really goes into some interesting things behind the scenes in his life you, you think you know in 1975 1976 Kiss is the biggest band on the planet is other members of the band will spout off and had more gold records than so and so, but there's a lot was a lot of discontent in his life at that point in time. So it was very interesting to kind of go underneath uh, the surface of, of the Starchild character and learn about what was going on inside the person underneath it. So, you know, a lot of people want from these rock and roll books they want Paul to say something nasty about Ace and Ace to say something crappy about Gene and everyone to say something bad about Peter. Uh, and and there are those elements of this book. Don't get me wrong. Uh, this isn't uh, written by a, a, a 
priest or a choir boy. This this book is is got its punches in it as well, uh, but it was a little bit more interesting in that it wasn't just a you know here's how great I am or here's how bad the other guys in the band you know screwed me over. So that that made it uh, pretty unique in these kind of books. So it was well worth the uh, read. Um, probably more so than the other three uh, and you know regardless of who your favorite member was or if you can't stand the band at all it was still a very interesting read uh, to the book as Paul said in the interview you do yourself a disservice if you didn't read the book just because you didn't like Kiss now obviously if you like Kiss you're going to enjoy the book more um, so take that with a grain of salt so well, I want to thank you for listening uh, if you've enjoyed this episode there are 232 prior episodes uh, available at ironcityrocks.com. You can subscribe on iTunes, which we would very much appreciate. Uh, I also mentioned earlier our Heavy Metal Book Club, which is a uh, newer show uh, focusing just on rock and roll books. Uh, we just featured an episode with Alan Paul, who has done a fantastic book on the Allman Brothers Band. Uh, before that, we've been joined by the likes of Zach Wilde, Tony Iommi, uh, David Ellefson. So if you're into rock literature, that's a a pretty good resource for you so check that out again we are at ironcityrocks.com facebook.com forward slash ironcityrocks twitter.com forward slash ironcityrocks we appreciate any and all feedback ironcityrocks at gmail.com for those of you in the western Pennsylvania area and I know there's a decent amount we are running a contest you can check out on our Facebook page we've got tickets to see Black Label Society tickets to see Ghost uh, tickets to see Iced Earth you can win uh, so you want to check that out as well. Uh, we invite you to uh, come back and check out the next episode. I know anytime we have members of KISS on the show, um, always draws a nice audience outside of our normal audience, but uh, we hope you enjoy the show well enough to come back and check us out the next time. So thank you all for listening. Enjoy Paul Stanley's new book. Take care. <laughs>